Well, hi, folks. This is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life if time, times get tough or even if they don't. Today is January the 3rd, 2022. This is episode 3007, 3007 of the Survival Podcast. It is the first one back after my winter shutdown, and guys, I am excited to be back. I have learned over the years that I love the shutdowns, but by the end of them, I'm like, I am ready to get back to frickin' work. Uh, I don't do well sitting around not working. And when you love what you do, it's not really work, but it is worth doing, and it ends up being work, you know? And I, I, I guess there is a point we all get to where we need a break, and I, I was there, man. That's why I kind of, kind of jumped out a day early, uh, th this year, a day earlier than typical. Um, but it was uh, it was the right call. But I'm, I'm glad to be back. We're starting off with an Outback with Jack episode. Uh, for those of you that caught the video of this or part of it, you know that it wasn't really Outback. It was inside with Jack because it was cold as hell out there today. Uh, it was in the 20s when I was doing the, bod the, the, the live stream. But worse uh, was that it was really, really windy. So wind equals noise equals bad audio equals bad experience. So uh, I was able to use that as a reason not to be cold. Uh, but it's it's true. All right. Anyway, what do we got today? We're going to talk about Blue Phantom Chickens. The F2 Generations are here. Those of you that follow us on Instagram, you might have seen the pictures of them. They do not look like their parents did when they were babies, but they definitely appear to be sex. At least we'll talk about them. I got a Christmas present for my grandson, and I got one for myself. I'll tell you what it is when we get to that segment. Um, we're talking about why the most dangerous man in the world today is the one who just wants to be left alone once he realizes he's never going to be left alone. And where we might be heading for a boil over episode or episodes this year uh, from that type of thing. We're going to talk a little bit about the COVIDs and Omicron, not really Omicron specific. We're going to talk, we're going to go over my basic immune formula again, which is now being talked about by like every doctor that's being honest about this. East Virginia Medical School, et cetera, has put out basically this protocol that I use. It's not everything, but it's the basic protocol of quercetin, zinc, copper, vitamin D3, and K2, right? And, and the, the, the K2 and the copper isn't really for the immune support. It's because it's what you do when you do the other things. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the fourth jab probably coming to the United States within about two months and why I believe that's the case. I'll tell you about a book called The Real Anthony Fauci by RFK Jr. and point something pretty ironic out about that book. Uh, and what, what you would expect that a person like Fauci would do if what's in the book isn't true and the fact that it isn't happening and what that tells us. We're going to talk about the Anarchapoco watch party again. Again, those tickets are going to go on sale this Saturday early in the morning. Uh, it's going to be awesome. We're going to talk about the U.S. Constitution and how the U.S. Constitution applies to humans, not just Americans. Not in all things but in the things that are the most important as to the restrictions upon our government, even though the government doesn't follow its own rules. We're going to talk about charity. I saw some slander against a charity called Goodwill. You've probably heard of them. They're one of the best charities in the country. And something I didn't say during the live stream segment that I should have is a lot of times people say, you should give locally. It's hard to give more locally than giving to your local Goodwill because it employs people that live where you live. 
And most of those people have problems and they can't get a job anywhere else. That is the actual charity. And they don't take money. They take your junk and give you a tax deduction with an open receipt that you fill out for yourself. That's a good charity. Um, and I'll talk a little bit about the source of this misinformation and why it can't be trusted either. And then we're going to talk about Ukraine. I'm not going to go deep dive in it, but I'm going to tell you something about Ukraine that at least half the people in the live stream didn't know. That if you have any hope of understanding what's going on in Ukraine, you have to know. And the fact that your media hasn't told you it tells you they don't want you to understand it. They just want you to be afraid of it. And they certainly don't want you to understand it from a standpoint of going, hey, well, why are we involved with this shit? Right? So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you about that when we get to that segment. And then we're going to do some, uh, Live questions and feedback from the audience there during the live stream. Remember, if you guys want to catch a live stream, the best way to do that is get on the Telegram channel. That way you'll get announcements. Anyway, before we get on the live stream, let's go ahead and hear from our two sponsors of the day. Sponsor today, number one today, is Backwoods Home Magazine. I've been reading Backwoods Home Magazine, honest to God, since 1993. It's 2022. I've been reading it since 1993. I think that implies my endorsement as well as anything else I could say. It is a great magazine. It's a quarterly now. So when you get a copy, you get your, your, your quarterly copies. I get a book. You could, you give somebody a pretty good beating with it. It's about that thick. And it is still the same high quality, amazing content, uh, available, um, You can, you can, you get it at backwoodshome.com. And I'll tell you, a lot of the things that you hear about on this show and have heard over the years have at least some of their roots in all those years of reading that magazine. Next up today, the Ridge Wallet at ridgewallet.com. Check out Ridge Wallet because you can, like me, become a minimalist, at least when it comes to your wallet. I have not carried my billfold as of this January now. It will be three years. I don't miss it. It just works better, and it's secure. It prevents identity theft. It looks cool, and I will never go back to a traditional billfold. I think if you give them a try, you won't either. They also have a lot of other really cool products. Check them out at RidgeWallet.com. And remember, MSB members, you get 10% off all purchases at Ridge Wallet. With that, let's kind of dig on into today's topic. Here we go with the live stream. And we are live, guys. Um Thanks to everyone that's here. I was checking the attendance earlier, and it looked like we had a good 40 people waiting before we even got started today. And um, we're going to talk about some exciting stuff today. Well, we got 75 already, man. I guess it's a, it's good to be welcomed back like that. Thanks, thanks to everybody showing up for the live stream. Um, if you're listening to the audio and you want to catch a live stream, best way to do that is get on my Telegram channel. That's the number one way you're going to make sure that you get kind of a notification. You can also subscribe on YouTube and hit up the uh, notification setting on there, and then they'll send you an email. And uh, if you see me put out uh, info about a live stream coming up, remember you can always get over to YouTube and hit the reminder. And even if you want to watch on Float or one of the other platforms that we're streaming to, we're going to be streaming to more platforms simultaneously starting next week, by the way. And I'm going to upgrade my StreamYard account. Even if you even if you don't watch it on YouTube, getting their notice will remind you to go watch it. So let's start off with something kind of fun and cool before we get into some down and dirty stuff, right? So big thing happened is that we have new babies. And I need to pull something up for those that are on the live stream so you guys can see this. Uh, I, last year came up with a, a cross that I'm calling a blue phantom chicken. And they're pretty cute when they're babies, and they are absolutely amazing as adults. 
but that is the F1 cross, and I've got uh, babies up on the screen right now from the F2 cross. The F1s are a cross between a splash blue Old English game bantam rooster and a buff Orpington uh, bantam, and they came out as a sex link where one was a little darker than the other. It wasn't real obvious what was what in the beginning, but it was like, okay, now, now once they grew up, we knew. And one of the things that was also pretty evident that they were a sex link is they definitely had a more prominent little uh, comb starting up on their head when they were males with that cross. Based on that, what you're seeing right now on this screen, if you're watching it, which is the F2 crosses, we seem to have a sex link. There's, uh, I think I hatched 14 successfully so far of them. And they look identical. They're, they're all either very dark or that light golden color that you're seeing. Um, the odds that that's not a sex link characteristic are a million to one against it. So uh, we have these cute little babies now, and we'll be growing up and see how they grow out. What we do know right away, and this was probably going to be the case, is that, well, they're not, they don't look like their parents, right? And usually when you do crosses like this, they don't look like their parents. So you start out with a cross, again, an Orpington, an Old English Splash Blue Game Band. I mean, you make that cross, and you get this beautiful bird. Um, I should have gotten some pictures for you for today, too, of the adults that are out living in the aviary that, that are the parents to these, these guys. Um, the females have, like, this almost chestnut, like, female pheasant look to their heads, and then a blue, completely blue uh, backside to them. And the males have, like, that same color pattern, but they go from, like, a chestnut to a dark brown to a blue, and they're gorgeous. What will these babies look like? We don't know. And if I want to take this project to another level, I need to bring in more genetics. Um, I can't keep crossbreeding siblings, third, fourth, fifth generation. But I wanted to see, you know, what would happen. So what we have are, you know, kind of an ancestral chicken thing going on here. But we'll, we'll get to see how those guys, uh, how those guys turn out. And I will absolutely. Uh, as they're growing, give you kind of status updates and things like that. Right now, they're all living in a Rubbermaid tub in Dorothy's office. And uh, I think we got, we had 18 eggs, and I think we hatched 14. I think there's four eggs that didn't hatch. Um, one yesterday had been, like, the shell had been opened up for quite a while, like eight hours, and it hadn't come out. And they, I know they say you're not supposed to help them out, but I was like, this one's not going to make it. So I risked it, and I did pop pop her or him out, and doing just fine now with its sisters and brothers, and uh, we'll see if I'm right. I, again, I think based on looking at the head pattern on them, that the dark ones are going to be roosters, and that the light ones will be hens, which would be kind of reverting to the grandparent generation. So again, these are F2s. So a little quick genetic lesson here. Guys, when you're crossing animals and you take two different breeds of something and you make a hybrid, that's your F1 cross. Same thing with seeds. And then when you propagate that prodigy into a next uh, familiar generation, that's your F2. And you will tend to drift back toward one side or the other of the parentage as you go forward. It takes a lot of time and work to fully breed out a new characteristic that remains consistent. It generally takes about seven generations to do that and create a true, unique new breed, but we'll see. Uh, I'm not sure where this is going to go, but I have to say that the hybrid vigor in the F1s, we'll see again what the F2 looks like. 
The hybrid Vega and the F1s, the parents of the little birds I just showed you, they do not look like Bantams. They don't. They look like small, full-size birds, and both of their parents are quite light. I mean, Billy Roy, Bob, who's usually screaming in the back of these uh, outback with Jacks if I'm actually outside where I'm supposed to be, um, that bird can't weigh a pound and a half. And the mother can't weigh a pound at, at the most, soaking wet. They're two pounds, the roosters, at least, maybe two and a quarter. Uh, and, the, and the females are probably somewhere in the neighborhood of the weight of the rooster uh, that's their, their parent. So we'll see. Because if this doesn't work out as a bantam project, I think it might actually be a really interesting cross to work with from uh, a standpoint of... What if we what if we went another way? What if we got full size old English game bantams as as our rooster, and then a buff Orpington hen? And what if we also did the other side? We so we went uh, buff Orpington rooster to old English game hen, and see what that is. With that much size development, this might actually be a really good meat bird that that people can breed for themselves. And I think that would be a, a, a really great thing to develop. So some of you guys that keep chickens, keep an eye on this project because I don't have enough space here and I'm not going to build enough caging to keep all the genetics isolated. If I want to take this further, I'm going to want to put together kind of a group where we're all breeding and maybe sharing some offspring for the genetic diversity necessary to do it. But I think we could end up with a really cool... Uh, maybe a template. Maybe it never becomes a breed onto itself. Maybe it's just, hey, if you cross this direction, this is what your F1s are like. And then we're basically breeding our own hybrids. And if somebody wants to prove that out, great. If, if not, if it just ends up being that, I mean, how great would that be? And that's what Jeff Lawton does a lot with his birds uh, over in uh, Australia. And they don't even really get fussy about trying to like find the perfect ones. They just take large hen, large rooster of difference and cross and do that one cross Uh, for birds that they want to use as meat birds. Anyway, I've got one more thing to show you. And somebody, I, I don't know if you can see it. I have to, oh, I see. Uh, it's BB I, for, for a, a rooster a type. No, I got something I wanted to show you guys. Check out what I got myself for Christmas. I got myself a Red Rider BB gun. Oh, why would I do such a thing? It's a full adult size Red Rider. Look at that. It's got a full adult size length of pull. It's actually the exact same size uh, gun. Everything about it from the stock forward is the same as the kids one. Why would Papa Jack get himself a full size Red Rider? Because Papa Jack went out, I hate talking about my third self in third person. Anyway, I went out this year, let me get back up on the microphone for you. I went out this year and decided I was going to get my grandson a Red Rider BB gun because what kid doesn't want to grow up with a Red Rider BB gun? And I found out that Daisy has a heritage collection where they sell the adult size one and the kid size one together. So we're going to start working on more gun safety, doing some shooting and having some fun. And guys, I haven't shot a Red Rider in a long time. I haven't shot any of like kind of the old school one cock, you know, 280 feet per second, 300 feet per second range, you know, BB guns forever. Well, I took that thing out a couple days ago and set up some old cat food cans and started knocking them down. It's a hell of a lot of fun, and it's a great way to teach your kids. So I wanted to start there because we're going to go into some darker stuff 
today, right? And because of that, I want to start out on a light note since it's the first one back in a while. Let's go into the next thing. I This is part of a discussion that I had on social media over downtime. And it is a... We're, we're, we're going into a scary zone right now. And I don't mean end of the world or anything like that. What I mean is... We could see some real violence erupting this year. And I know that we saw, you know, Jack, what the hell? We had all kinds of violence last year and the year before and burning down cities. Yeah, but maybe from the other side this time. Maybe from, you know, if we want to call it that our side. There is a fundamental reality that I don't think anybody really wants to look at. And I think most people in the world today do not understand it. The most dangerous man on the planet is the man that wants to be left alone once he realizes he's never going to be left alone. Once the man that only wishes to be left alone has gone as far away and is, has retre you know, retreated, if you want to use that word, is backed off as much as he's willing to. He's made as many concessions. And when I say man here, this could be woman, women too. Humans, right? Um, has made as many concessions as you're willing to. And you're still not left alone. There's a point where that person breaks. And if you, you know, we've seen it happen, right? We, we've seen it happen in, you know, a guy that got so fed up with it, he welded steel onto a bulldozer and demolished every single cop car in, I guess it was like the, the police station and the courthouse. He ended up dead. But have you ever wondered why a person like that? When they go over, they go over so hard because they just wanted to be left alone. And people that just want to be left alone, they never want to be in politics. These are never political people. They never want authority over anybody else's life. Again, they just want to be left the hell alone. That's what they want. And when that person, who has basically been a peaceful person, Not harmless, right? Peaceful person in their whole life. They're generally law-abiding citizens. You know, you might find somebody that has a, a criminal thing in their past, some mistake that they made that they've repented for and, and served their time or whatever. But in general, they're people that are peaceful. They don't have long criminal records. They, uh, they have, you know, a little place that they live in. They have a family they care about. When that person <coughs> breaks... The person they were dies. It dies and goes away. They know that when they break, their old life is gone forever. That they'll never be able to go back to being that person without some sort of thing hanging over their head. They've lived most of their life believing they probably would never have to shoot somebody or physically hurt somebody or have somebody really come after them unless it was some weird thing that just happened and they know that's not true anymore. In other words, when they break, they don't break for themselves. They, they know that when they break, they're probably going to end up in prison or dead, especially if they're among the first to break. And that's why they're so dangerous. And that doesn't mean bad. It just means dangerous. Because it's, and I, I'm going to tell you this, people like, you know, the, 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 you know, the revolution's going to be in like Texas or Florida or whatever. It's not. Not this kind. Because we have 
normal lives here. The person that's going to break is the person that's looking at their whole life in shattered tatters that lost a multi-generation family business in New York City or something like that that's now being told they have to have a passport to go shopping and is looking at the fact that they're going to be bankrupt within another 30 days. Not just in their business, but in their lives. That's the person that's going to freaking snap. And it's going to happen more than once. And when it does, the negative for the cause of liberty is they're going to say that's how we all are. That's already in the playbook. They want this to happen. The key is, what if it happens a lot in a lot of places and a lot of people who weren't willing to go over, go over? Because that's the, that's the other side of this thing. When it's one guy that welds plate steel to a bulldozer and demolishes a town, he becomes a folk hero, but he also dies, and you know you don't get 50 other people making killdozers. Well, that's because that gentleman was being screwed over by a tax system and a local government, and if you watched it, you could empathize. But you didn't have millions of people going, they're doing that same shit to me. And I've about had enough. We're entering a very dangerous time in human history. I'll say it again. If you live in these cities like New York, like San Francisco, like Portland, Oregon, like Seattle, Washington, right? Any of these flashpoint cities, even in some states where the state itself ain't so bad, but like Atlanta, Georgia would be an example. Get the fuck out of these places before this shit really goes sideways. If you are a freedom-loving person who's not going to bring your bullshit that screwed your state up with you when you come here, come to Texas. Go to Florida, right? Because we're going to be the thing maybe that keeps this from going completely over the edge. Because as, as things continue to go bad, having a couple places where, hey, we're not ruining people's lives. We're not invading people's privacy. We're not dragging people out of their homes for dancing with their friends on New Year's Eve. We're not doing this shit, and we're not all dying. will mean that probably more states will start to exercise those rights and give people more options as to where they can go rather than go kill dozer. If there's not enough places for that pressure to relief, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And all of these retards that are talking about, still talking about January 6th last year, like it was worse than Pearl Harbor Day, calling it insurrection, etc., they haven't seen what a freaking insurrection looks like. And if they keep pushing shit, and this isn't me cheering it on, this is me just being honest and pragmatic. If they keep pushing it, they're going to see it. It's going to happen. Because if it's one man who just wanted to be left alone that realizes he never will be, then it's somebody they can use as a scapegoat, somebody they can use as an example, etc. But if it's 50, or 100, or 1,000 that all break about the same time, it could be the start of a movement. And people that cheer that on, you know what you remind me of? Student of history that I am? The war between the states, a.k.a. the Civil War, the war in the United States against South and North in the 1860s. Call it what you want to. Because it's always like, it wasn't a civil war. I don't give a shit what you call it. What that war had was two sides 
that were both completely delusional in their beliefs of what a war like that would be like. And today, I think that's even more true. But I do know this. There were places that during that conflict, you wanted to be. And there were places you didn't want to be. And we are not studying history so that we don't repeat the mistakes of the past. We can't. I've said that forever. That we study history so that when some dumb son of a bitch does repeat the past, we know what's going to happen and we know what to do about it. And probably the smartest thing you could have done during the, the war between the states would have been to go to somewhere like Maine. Maine didn't have a lot of action now, did it? Right? That was probably like one of the... Uh, one of the safest places you could have went on about your life if you didn't want to go get get in the fight. I don't want to get in this fight. If I get in this fight, I'm the man that wants to be left alone that gets to a point where he realizes he shall not be left alone, and I'll become that dangerous man. I don't want to die as I am. And what I mean, I don't mean like stop my heart beating. I don't want the guy that I am to die, and that's what that takes. But we all have that limit, and I'm telling you, Your fellow Americans, many of them, are this fucking close. And the people behind all this shit, and we're going to talk more about that in a minute, know it, and they want them to explode. There's a thing, though. When you fuck around, sometimes you get what you want when there's an explosion, and other times you find the fuck out. And there's a real danger that they've so overplayed this that they're going to find out. Now, I think the other thing that's interesting is a lot of these policies seem to be shifting. Uh, you know, we went from 10-day quarantine to 5-day quarantine with no scientific basis whatsoever. It's almost like they know this thing called the midterm elections coming and they're worried about it because, like, their numbers look really, 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 really bad. So, so we'll see on that. I do want to talk for a minute about the COVID-AIDS, and this is where, you know, the gulag might slap me down and take this video down or whatever from YouTube. Um, we, we do have a virus. I'm not running away from it. I'm not hiding from it. I've already had it last year. I know some of you don't believe it even exists, or some of you believe it comes from cell phone towers. We have a freaking virus. It's a coronavirus. It's a bad cold It's what it is, and it's what it's always been, and it is somewhat novel in that certain people don't have any real innate immunity to it, and it hits them harder. And if you have serious comorbidities, it can be seriously risky to you. And those comorbidities may not be things that would have killed you without it, but if you've just had like your entire immune system knocked out by chemotherapy and you get any respiratory illness, you can have real problems. If you have certain predispositions, genetic or physical or epigenetic. So we have genetic predispositions. Those are things that are part of our genes. And then we have epigenetics, which is above genetics. So when I used to be a big fat ass and I weighed 300 pounds, I would have been a hell of a lot more at risk than I am now. Makes sense. And there are things that you can do. And the number one thing that I recommend you do, and this is not COVID specific, okay? But the number one thing that I recommend that you do especially this time of year, is to be on a nutritional uh, supplemental regimen that is using known science to select over-the-counter, cheap, safe nutritionals that are clinically shown 
to help humans fight viral illnesses. Whether they're the COVIDs or the flu or the cold, right? It doesn't matter. And that is, quacertin, along with zinc. And I haven't talked about this in a long time, so I'll kind of explain it again. The reason HCQ, hydroxychloroquine, had such effect until the government got in the way of it, and we'll talk more about that in a second and see what happens with the gulag, um, is because, among other things, HCQ is an ionophore for zinc. And if you get zinc inside human cells, you shut down viral replication in human cells. By the way, you shut down things like cancer replication in human cells. And shut down is probably not the right word. You impede it. You slow it significantly. And we've done research, we have studies we can look at, again, had nothing to do with, with the COVIDs, but we take zinc and we give a, a person a certain amount of zinc and we look at their cells and say, how much zinc got in the cell? And the answer is not a lot. But you give it along with hydroxychloroquine or quercetin, and they act as ionophores and they get zinc into the human cell. This is a good thing. No doctor is going to tell you, oh, zinc's bad for you if you have a cold. It's probably the number one and most scientifically backed nutraceutical thing that you can do to help your body when you have to fight viral illnesses is supplemental zinc. Okay? Like, this is known. But what's not known by most people, again, is that the, the real action of zinc is when you get it inside the, the cell. There's a wall around a cell called it, yes, remember your fifth grade science class, a cell wall. And it's designed to keep certain things in and certain things out. And some things, it does that for you, want it to happen. It's a semi-permeable membrane. Osmosis and all kinds of shit going on, right? Well, now you want to get that zinc in there, you need something that opens a pathway that lets that zinc get inside. Well, Quisertin does that. If you're taking zinc long-term, you know, you're talking like, you know, 50, 50 units a day or something like that, um, you really need to supplement copper at, I think it's two micrograms. And if you go to the audio notes for this broadcast, there'll be links to all this stuff there like there always are. And there's a, a brand called Solray that I recommend. And the reason I recommend it is the only one I could find with the proper ratio of copper and zinc. And it's only copper and zinc. And the reason you need the copper is not anything to do with immunity, right? building up your immune system. It's that copper and zinc compete in your digestive system for absorption. And if you're supplementing a lot of zinc and you're not supplementing copper, you can develop a copper deficiency, which creates its own problems. That's information was given to me by a doctor when I started talking about this. So we got the quercetin, the zinc with copper. Then we want to be using vitamin D3. And I'm not telling you how much to take, but I will tell you this. People are like, you know, supplement at 800 IUs a day or something like that. It won't do shit. If you take 800, 1,000 IUs of vitamin D and you do that long term, and you test your blood levels of D3, the only fluctuation you're going to see in your D levels in your body are going to be when it gets really sunny and you spend a lot of time outside and you make more of your own D. It won't move the needle. It won't move the needle. It won't move the needle. There's three books I recommend. I'm not, I can't name them off the top of my head, but I will make sure that they're all in the notes for this after I'm done. Again, you can use the link in the... Uh, in the video description below to get over to get all the resources about an hour after I finish up. And I recommend you read those and you make your own decisions. I will tell you what I take. 
And some of you that know about this and think it's dangerous or whatever, you're about to have a heart attack when I say this. I take 30,000 IUs of vitamin D a day. That, that's what I take. And um, I have no ill effects. I also take K2. And I take one K2 for each two, and I'm taking 5,000 IU D3s. And I take those in three doses three times a day just because it's less pills to take at one time. And I take some other things I'm not going to get into today. I take magnesium, I take C, and stuff like that. But mainly that's, that is what I take to keep my immune system functioning optimally for any viral disease, period. It had nothing to do with the COVIDs itself. And I think if you're not doing that right now and you're in any sort of you know, significant risk, either you're overweight, uh, you're advanced in age, you have other known comorbidities like diabetic, you're diabetic or something like that, I think you're really putting yourself at risk more than you have to. I'm not saying this will make it all go away and be all Merry Christmas and Jingle Bells, right, for the rest of the year. I'm just saying that, like, we know this works. We know the, the science behind this. We know that almost every person that ends up in the hospital critically ill or dies of the COVIDs is low in D3. We know that. That's not a That's not something I'm pulling out of my ass. We have the data that shows this, and I think it's criminal that we're not teaching people this. And that's why I risk being deplatformed and having accounts canceled to, to say this, because somebody has to freaking say it. I mean, you've seen what's happened, right? The, uh, two doctors that are probably on the forefront of all of this are uh, Dr. Robert Malone, who is one of the co-inventors of the freaking technology they make the vaccine out of, and uh, Robert McCullough, Not, not, not Mercola, McCola, right? Um, Dr. McCola and Dr. Malone have both been censored and deplatformed. They, they both went on Rogan, and then Rogan had his videos taken off of YouTube. I'll fix that too, guys. That'll get up on Odyssey if it's not there already. Um, people are being prevented from knowing this basic information, and it is criminal. And on that note, Um, I would like to suggest a book for you guys to read. And I'd like to put out a little observation about this book right now, too. Let me get this up on the, on the screen for those that can see it. Um, it's a book by Robert F. Kennedy. And I do not necessarily agree with everything RFK Jr. has to say. And I don't even agree completely with everything that um, he has to say about things like vaccines and stuff like that. But this book called The Real Anthony Fauci, and it's also about Bill Gates and Bill, uh, Big Pharma and the relationship there and things that are like regulatory capture, which is where the regulators end up serving the entity that they're supposed to be regulating. It is so meticulously researched. And if you read it, I'm going to tell you I'm going to tell you if you read this book, you're going to hear a lot of things that you heard from me over the past two and a half years, verified 100%. It's actually really it, it actually feels really good to me that I've been able to now basically feel that I've been vindicated. Because 
everything that I told you, specifically about the HCQ, zinc, um, observational studies across the world, the government purposefully shutting it down to intentionally prolong the pandemic and to sell vaccines and expensive medication. It's all there. He also goes much deeper into ivermectin than I ever did, but it, it's, it's worth reading. The bigger issue, though, is actually understanding how this is all being done. And this is what I'll tell you about that book. And again, there'll be a link in the audio notes for you if you want to get a copy of it. I'm listening to the Audible version of it, because for some reason I have a bunch of Audible credits, so I don't know where they came from. Um, when you read or listen to that book, there is going to be no way that you're going to come away with any belief other than Anthony Fauci needs to be in an orange jumpsuit in a federal prison for the rest of his life. And a bunch of other people do, too. It's probably not going to happen. But that's what you'll come away with. And given that that's the case, and given that this book has been on the best sellers list since about Thanksgiving, and still is, it has sold millions of copies. RFK Jr. is minting money off this book. He's making a flipping fortune on the quantities of this book that's being sold. What is outlined in the book is 100% criminal, not just unethical, criminal behavior by Fauci, Gates, and others. Criminal. I'm saying absolute, put the, put the handcuffs on and march your ass into prison for the rest of your life. And I know you might say, well, Jack, can we trust RFK Jr.? Well, you can trust facts. Especially facts that you can research. Not my point, though. My point here is not, let's go make a big demonstration on K Street and tell the lobbyists that we're tired of Fauci and that they need to throw him out, or you know, whatever somebody's going to come up with. No, my, my observation is totally different. Let's say somebody wrote a book about me. So Jack Spirico's a criminal. Jack Spirico's a liar. Jack Spirico is getting paid... To screw people over. Jack Spirko is taking taxpayer money and using it to enrich himself. Jack Spirko belongs in a federal prison for the rest of his life. Here's the case against him. And let's say it was all bullshit. What do you think I would do? Well, I'd go get a lawyer. And I would sue the ever-loving fuck out of them for it. And I would make sure that every penny they profited on by sullying my name came over to me. If I could prove that they were lying. That's what anybody with freaking brains would do. Have you heard of any sort of lawsuit by Fauci or Gates against RFK Jr.? No, and you won't. And I'll tell you why you won't. Okay, you want to sue me for, for libel, basically, since it's in print. It's libel, slander, whatever, right? Okay, fine. Where am I wrong? Now you got to go to court. Okay, so now we're in court. Present your evidence, and I will present my counter-evidence. And now that's in a court of law, and it's visible for the public to see. Because unlike the Ghislaine Maxwell shit, they're not just going to memory-hole that if that happens, right? No, they're never going to sue, because that would be an opportunity for the evidence to be presented and considered in public. And that tells you that it's accurate. Because there isn't a person... 
that would have something this damning said about them, so successfully said about them, that the person on the other end of it is making millions of dollars, and go, that's okay. Unless they were guilty as fuck. And that's where, that's where Tony Fauci needs to be. And an orange jumpsuit sitting in a federal prison for the rest of his life. And I, I truly, truly encourage you to read this book because it's not just what you'll learn about the COVIDs and Fauci and the other shit that the guy's done. Once you see this pattern, like I always talk about with pattern recognition, you're going to realize, you're going to realize that this shit is in every industry. It's in every body of science. It's all the same playbook, and you literally can trust nothing that they say. And the reason that's important isn't so we can bring them down, man, because we're not gonna. It's going to take a lot more people to wake up from this nonsense, and they're not ready yet, guys. They're plugged into the matrix hard. It's so that you can say, okay, I got to see to my own needs. That's why we know exactly who to call to get, you know, fluids. If, if, if another one of our family member ends up sick the way Dorothy was with COVID and needs fluids, because we're not going to the ER. We're not doing it. That's why we make sure we have the medications that they say not to have, et cetera, right? Like, you got to realize and across the whole board, like we teach in, in prepping and survivalism anyway, you got to be ready to do things for yourself because you cannot trust the system at all, infinity, period. And I'll, I'll leave it there. I do want to, like, say one more thing before we, uh, we move on from here. One thing Frodzi says that's, that's true is we generally in the United States are about 60 days behind Israel in COVID policy. Well, Israel just proved the fourth jab, the booster of the booster. So in 60 days, expect that a whole bunch of people here in the United States are like, I, I, I'm grateful for the jab, even though it made me sick and gave me problems, but I got my Vax passport to find out their Vax passport ain't worth a shit no more. I've had that conversation with several family members recently, too, about, well, I'm vaxxed. I'm like, no, you're not. No, you're not. I just had it with one that's a, uh, he's a sheriff's deputy in Colorado, but he had to get it because he's part of a federal task force, and he was going to lose that if he didn't do it. So he chose to go ahead and get the double dose of the Moderna, and it knocked him on his ass. He ended up fine, but it knocked him on his ass hard. And I said, well, what are you going to tell them if they tell you you have to get the third jab? I'm going to tell them to go fuck themselves. He said, I, they said that's it. Well, we'll see if that works out for him. But he said he's not doing it. He'll, he'll go be a, 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 a deputy in some podunk town, you know, down here in Texas or something before he, he does that. So, okay, I mean, that's, that is really coming it's coming it's coming it's coming four and remember when we said that it would never stop there would always be another one another one another one and we were called conspiracy theorists i, I saw babylon b had a thing out conspiracy theorists installs uh scoreboard on his house to to keep count of how many times he's been right this year you know and that's kind of where it's going um definitely read the book definitely inform yourself And stop bashing your head against the wall trying to convince people that don't want to be convinced. But if people will have conversations, give them little pieces at a time. Just little tiny pieces at a time. It doesn't take much. for Because all you have to do to get a person to start waking up 
is to make them realize that in this specific instance, they've been lied to once. Once they accept that it wasn't a miscommunication, like it was an intentional deceit, lie, right? Then the whole wound opens, and then they start telling you, did you know this? Did you know that? Did, I've had that happen. But if you try to throw it all at them at once, you, they'll just go deeper into the matrix. They'll run away and they'll hide from it. And one of the places I think the easiest place is to get people to understand this is to talk about hydroxychloroquine. And not whether it works or not, but whether it's dangerous or not. Because you cannot make a scientific or medical case that hydroxychloroquine taken at the dosage recommended for the prevention or treatment of COVID, SARS-2, is dangerous. You can make a case it does or doesn't work. You can't make the case that it's dangerous. It's one of the safest medications on the planet, and any doctor that says it's dangerous, I would say, explain to me how. Explain to me how. I'm going to take two tablets of HCQ today, and I'm going to take two more every day for five days, and then I'm going to stop. How is that, how is that medically dangerous to any human being? Period. They don't have an answer. They don't have an answer. Remember, I have a challenge. It's over a year old now. An open challenge to publicly debate any medical professional or scientist on the safety and efficacy of HCQ. And I allowed them to have two assistants in the debate to get double the time that I get. They wouldn't do it. Steve Kirsch came out about debating the vaccines and offered guys millions of dollars to take on the debate. They won't do it. They won't have the debate. And that, that should tell you everything. Anyway, let's move on from there. Anarchapulco is going to be off the hook awesome. Uh, I am not going to be in Acapulco for Anarchapulco. I was asked to come down. They made every accommodation I wanted. I just can't leave here in February. I can't do it. But I am doing an Anarchapulco watch party at my place. Tickets for it go on sale this Saturday, which is Saturday the... I don't want to say it wrong, so I'm going to look it up real quick. Saturday the 8th. We will put tickets on sale. We will put out on the Telegram channel. Here is the link. We will do that at 9 a.m. Central Standard Time. I'm only selling 20 spots. That's it. This is a very small, intimate event. It is 500 bucks for a two-day versus a three-day event. We're going to make it up to you, though, because the food is going to be stupid off the hook. Uh, and then the entire thing is going to be off the hook. Let me give you an understanding of what I mean when I say off the hook. Breakfast, day one. It is going to be a Texas version of, like, if you've ever heard of an Irish or Scottish breakfast. You know, where you get the black pudding and the white pudding and the, the, the bangers and the potatoes and the, the, um, what, the proper bacon or whatever. Right? But it's going to be a Texas version. I'm not even going to tell you everything it's going to be. But here's an example. How about brisket burnt ends for breakfast? Right. How about two grass-fed um, bratwursts from ButcherBox to stand in for the bangers? I figure the brisket kind of stands in for the black pudding. And homemade by Jack himself, chili pepper bacon. This is going to be about that thick. That's about three-quarters of an inch for those who can't see because you're not on the, on the video. Yeah, that's, and of course, at Nine Mile Farm eggs. That's just day one. And we're going to do a tequila sunrise with that. Day two breakfast, I'm just giving you breakfast here. 
Day two is going to be a steak and eggs, and I'm doing my Szechuan pepper steak skewers for that. Those of you that were here the year I did that, that was, I've never seen people eat like that in my life. I had like, I had like 200 of them skewers made, and there were like 70 people here. And I mean, people, you got any more? You got any more? Uh, so we're going to do those. And Butcher Box has donated the, uh, the sirloin tips uh, for making those. And we're going to do that with um, biscuit and gravy. So steak and eggs, biscuit and gravy, jalapeno, garlic, breakfast sausage that I make myself in the gravy. And then we're going to do a Bloody Mary bar with that one. That is just the freaking two breakfasts. I'm presenting at 2 o'clock on the Thursday. I'll be presenting on basic hands-on things that you can do. A lot of you guys that have been here a lot, it'll be old hat to you because it'll be things like the, uh, the aquaculture and, and stuff like that that I do because it's very much a hands-on, kind of off-grid type day is what they're, they're marketing the day that I'm speaking as. And then the next day is going to be all crypto stuff. So we're going to be watching live the anarchopocal uh, presenters and other interactions with them um, on a big old 100-inch projection screen that we have out in the garage now, and uh, just having a great time. And I'll tell you what, you guys that have tried to come in the past and have not been able to get a ticket, I bet you anybody that really wants to come, even though it's only 20, will be able to come because it's freaking mid-February, right? It's mid-February, but we expect, you know, kind of a little bit of a different mix of clientele at this one. Probably a lot of people that can afford to do something like that in February. So you're maybe, you know, you have some real potential for networking beyond spending time with me. So mark your calendars, get the, get the Telegram app and install it if you want to come. I'm going to tell you right now, I think anybody that really wants to will be able to. But if you don't have that app, it's not going to happen. It's not going to be the case that we're going to get to where I'm trying to sell this a day later. I really don't think that's going to happen. Um, I think it would be it would be great to have some new people come to this. And we're gonna. I've also got a guy I need to reach out. If you're listening, dude, I haven't gotten back to you yet. But I had a guy that's uh, volunteered to set up the 3D printer and all that here for me. I have a 3D printer still in the box. And uh, I'm going to have him do that. So we're going to have a hands-on 3D printer workshop. But we'll work some other things in that we're doing here. I'm probably not going to talk about them that much, though, because it's kind of an evolving situation. We got, we're like 45 days out, and it was a last-minute decision to do this. So I've got to start working some other things in for you. But we're going to do, like just on the entertainment side, we're also going to do one night we're going to do a martini bar, and another night we're going to do a margarita bar. So we're going we're gonna to make this posh, even though it's in my giant steel garage. It's going to be... Off the hook, awesome. Please come if you can. Moving on, I want to talk to you about something that I saw recently on uh, on social media. And I just wonder how many people think this way. And I've talked about this in the past. Um, but it's who does the Constitution apply to? So... If you see this little meme here, and what it says for those that can't see it, the entire U.S. Constitution was written for, and then in all caps, because you know that people take you seriously when you type all caps, Americans only. It is not the World Constitution. It is the U.S. Constitution. Non-citizen and criminals do not possess rights under this document. Okay, I'll just say it. Dumbest fucking thing that I saw during my entire vacation. Dumbest fucking thing. 
dumber than stupid, right? Like, there's dumb and there's stupid and then there's whoever made that meme. Look, let's talk about that for a minute. First of all, it doesn't apply to criminals. Really? So criminals don't have rights under the Constitution? Isn't that part of, like, the entire, like, due process and trial? And even once they're convicted, there's certain, like, so that's just dumb. We'll leave that one go, because that one's so stupid, there's no reason to go into it. Um, but this idea that our Constitution doesn't apply to, let's say, a Mexican or a European or an African, you know, uh, Australian, Jap Japanese person, whatever, is stupid. It's stupid, and I'm going to explain to you why it's stupid. Here's why it's stupid. <laughs> so, what do constitutionalist-type people always say about the rights enumerated in our Constitution? Where do they come from? Does government, through the Constitution, grant you rights, or are you granted rights through your creation by your version of, insert here, God? Whether your version of, under constitutional law, whether your version of God is the God of the Bible, The, 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 the multi uh, gods of, of like Hindu faith or pagan faith, or you're a, an evolutionist that just believes you, you evolved. There's still a creative process in that, right? Whether it was all accident or intentional by God, the foundation of the negative liberties or the negative liberties in our Constitution and its restriction upon our government is that we are born with inalienable rights. Okay. For people that think like whoever made this meme, you can't get it two fucking ways, guys. All right? That's not how this shit works. Either your rights come from your creation, okay, or they come from your government. Pick one. If you pick they come from government, then you can say that stupid shit. You can say that this document doesn't apply to people from other countries. Right? You can say it only applies to Americans. You can say once you're a criminal, it doesn't apply to you. You can say whatever you want about it if your rights come from government. If your rights come from God or your creation, complete that however you want to, then you can't say, well, since this person was born in another part of the world, they don't get them, they don't have them, we don't recognize them. Now, there is certain things in our Constitution that obviously don't apply to Japan. Right? Japan is its own sovereign nation, and it makes its own decisions. Thank God for Japan right now. If I were in any country, I wouldn't want the U.S. government making decisions for me. I promise you. But there's two components to our Constitution. One is, these are the things our government is able to do and how they are to do them. Right? That's one half. And yes, that does not apply to our government making a law that affects the nation of Spain. Totally agree. But the more important part of our Constitution is the negative liberties. And that is in that the government cannot do these things to its citizens. Okay? That our government can't interfere with our free speech. They can't. I'm not saying they don't do it, right? If you follow the Constitution, we can't just be indefinitely detaining people without trial. That's unconstitutional criminal behavior by our government. Can we think of any time that's happened recently? Huh? Okay, yeah. All right. However, if that is the case, and that is the place from which our Constitution is derived, that we have inalienable human rights, 
then we shouldn't be able to throw a hood over somebody in a foreign country and interrogate them and deny them their constitutional rights under our Constitution. Period. End of story. I'm not saying we don't do it again. We shouldn't be able to. If the right that you have or your neighbor has or I have comes from my creation, do I stop being created when I go to Spain? Or Libya, or wherever, Afghanistan, Iraq, Australia? Do I stop being a created being? Do my rights dissolve? Does my government now have you, just because they created a loophole for themselves to flagrantly violate those rights of foreign citizens, doesn't mean that it's constitutional at all. And I'm back to, you must pick one. And I know the people behind that, if I said, where do your rights come from? They would say from God. Okay. So they're purist constitutionalists. Okay, fine. By the way, I believe the most important part of constitution is the first three letters, the con. All right? Okay, but you, you but if you want to follow your own rules, that's how that works. That's how that works. And somebody says, constitution, first sentence, we the people of the United States in order to form a more perfect union. Doesn't have a fucking thing to do with what I just said, dude. Like I said, the Constitution of the United States, in that it creates a government and sets up the way the government functions, of course applies within the United States and its territories. The restrictions upon government that are developed from the standpoint of government cannot infringe on these rights because they are pre-existing conditions innate to human beings should then restrict that behavior on any human being anywhere in the world at any time. And if you don't agree with that, then you can't take the first position. Then you have to take the position of your rights come from your government. If you want to do that, you go ahead. You go ahead and you take that position if that's what you want to do. But that's not the position the Constitution was written in. The Constitution, as it recognizes the rights of people, applies to humans, not Americans. I'm sorry. I'm sorry there's no way around that, so I'm not sorry. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. All right, so another thing I saw while I was on vacation, I saw from my favorite yellow journalism rag, Natural News, and somebody must have dug this thing out because I recognize this meme from forever ago. Um, old Mike Adams up to his tricks again. Um, charities you shouldn't donate to. And I'll, I'll leave the other ones off because I really don't know much about them. And there's a couple on there that I kind of agree with, like, They are kind of shitty charities, and you probably shouldn't give them any money. But the last one on the meme was, hmm, Goodwill. Said, hey, man, Goodwill doesn't give any money to charity at all. The jackasses take all your stuff. They pay their employees minimum wage. And, uh, they, they, you know, the, 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 the CEO or whatever makes, you know, $2 million, $2 million a year, right, or something like that. I don't care what he makes. One of the best charities on planet Earth, period, is Goodwill. But you have to understand what they do to judge them. So what they do is they hire people that couldn't get a fucking job to save their life any other way. Just people with severe disabilities, Goodwill employs 160,000 severely disabled individuals in the country. 160,000. And they employ a lot of other people that cannot get a job. And they do pay them, at least on entry, about minimum wage. You're hiring people that cannot get a job anywhere else. 
So they hire these people, they give them training on the job, they start to build a resume, they actually show up for work, they learn to function in a job, so that then they can go somewhere and get a better job someday, hopefully. And if nothing else, they pretty much have a, as long as they don't stab somebody and show up for work, they pretty much have a job for as long as they want at Goodwill. Goodwill staffs their locations with far more bodies than necessary to do the job because they don't have to make that much money in, in any kind of actual uh, profit, even though it's considered not-for-profit, to keep the lights on. And most of the expense is wages. The people that work there are the benefactors of the charity. And they do all this without taking a dollar from any person. You take your shit that doesn't belong to you. You just really shouldn't even have anymore. Most of it is shit you would throw away. You load it up in your truck. You drive it down to Goodwill. And some of those very people we're talking about come out and do their functional best to take it in and, and inventory it. And they give you a blank freaking tax receipt that you assess the own value of your shit on and you get a tax deduction. That is the best charity model I have ever heard in my life because you don't just get shit. It's, it's you have you, you say you, you can't get a job, we'll give you one. It's this kind of thing that people say they want to see all the time, but then when it happens, oh, well, the CEO makes a lot of money. You know what? A dude that can run that business successfully deserves a lot of money. I don't have any problem with it, Right? I don't have any problem. I'd rather him make a few million dollars doing something good than the bastards that this shirt's talking about. They're multi-billionaires while they screw people over. Just, just saying. If you see shit about how a charity's bad, do some research into it. Don't just automatically write that charity off. And again, you don't write a check to Goodwill. You give them junk and they create jobs with it. That I think there's I think there's room in that model for other charities to, to come on board. I'd like to see it. Um, I want to talk with one more really kind of dark thing, and then if there's any Q and A or anything, we'll, we'll, we'll get into it. So if you have questions for me, go ahead and get ready to start typing them pretty quick. Put them in all caps, and I'll kind of scroll through. Uh, that'll give some time for the delay. Um, yeah, Mike Adams, anti two A stance. Yeah, the guy's scum. He's scum. I, I'm not going to get into it today, but I've had some back channel discussions with him. He's a freaking liar. He's a freaking liar, period. Anyway, um, we're talking about Ukraine here for a moment. And I wanted to do this because it came to, to my mind over my vacation that most Americans that keep hearing about Ukraine probably have no idea what actually is going on in Ukraine. And in my notes, I have a link where you can go watch, you know, by of all things, RT, Um about the only decent source of journalism left in America today is RT America. And it, it, it gets into this, not super deep, but it's about a 15-minute segment that I think will make you understand what's going on in Ukraine better than anything that's ever been on American television. But this is what people don't... I think what people think is, so you've got Russia on, on the Ukraine border threatening Ukraine, and Ukraine on the Ukraine border threatening Russia. I think that's the way the average American processes that that must be what's going on. It's not. That's not even close to what's going on. Ukraine is in the middle of what's supposed to be a cold civil war that, that the freaking West Ukrainians are 
freaking shelling the East Ukrainians in violation of the accord that they agreed to. Because there are the, 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 the eastern provinces of Ukraine are supposed to be autonomous. They're basically breakaway provinces. Really, you should have East and West Ukraine as sovereign nations. Is what This is like a pseudo-version of that. Like, to keep the peace, here's what we'll do. You guys run your shit, we'll run our shit, but we'll still be Ukraine. And then they're dropping freaking howitzer shells in the middle of towns. Oh, that's our allies. That's the good guys, by the way, folks. That's what's going on. It's a war of East versus West Ukraine. And if you had a country in a civil war on your border, you might give a shit, too. Now, what people will say, well, the Russians are backing the, 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 the breakaway provinces that are you know on, on their border. Yes, they are. Because, yeah, they're so evil. We don't ever do shit like that, right? We don't ever, like, it, this is another Russia-U.S. proxy war. We supply one side, they supply the other side. Here's an idea. Why don't we just stay the fuck out of shit that's not our business, right? There's a reason that there's that split in the Ukraine in the first place. And all I'm suggesting is before you get wrapped up in this stuff, right? Before you get wrapped up in this stuff, before you get all revved up by your TV set, do you have some idea what's going on? Because I guarantee you, if you ask the average American, you know, and you start out with going, are you concerned about the situation in Ukraine? You're going to get people that are like, what? What's Ukraine? Right? Okay, throw those people out of the, the sampling. But if you find 100 Americans... They'd say, yeah, I'm concerned about the situation in Ukraine. I saw it on my TV. I'm worried about it. And, and, and they were smart enough. You say, well, what's the big concern? And they could get the word Russia into it. Right? Or, or Russia is getting involved. And if you said, okay, so explain to me what's going on inside Ukraine. Leave Russia out. So at least they know they have some idea. They're, you get about, like, they're in the ballpark. I'm going to bet maybe 2% out of 100. Two per hundred would be able to tell you that there is effectively a civil war going on in Ukraine right now. They have no now. See, how can you think that anything approaching journalism, journalists doing their jobs are going on? And, and I, it'd be interesting if anybody here is willing to admit it. They got like two hundred plus people on YouTube right now. If, if you didn't know that there was effectively a civil war in Ukraine, that that's what this is all about. Say, just type me, me, I didn't know, me, in, in the comments. We'll see if anybody will do it. And I would say if half the people here didn't know that, you're looking at a group of people here that are generally more informed than the average person by a, t a factor of 10. So if one doesn't know, we've got two, three, four already, right, didn't know, And I'm not picking on you. Why would you know? Look, they're coming like crazy now. Me, 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 me. Right? Why would you know? Why would it be expected that you would know when everything that comes out is Russia, 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 and our Ukrainian allies? Right? No discussion of this divide that exists in Ukraine, which, by the way, is very similar to the divide with Crimea, which we won't get into today. But my whole point is you're not being told the whole story. And I don't mean like every freaking detail. No one's going to listen to every freaking... I mean the basic story. And that's happening. Like, there's got to be freaking... This is more people than I thought. 
There's got to be 50 people saying they didn't know that. That there was effectively a civil war going on in Ukraine right now. How can we trust anything? Well, what do we do about it? You know, because I'm, I'm a solutions guy. You know what we can do about Ukraine as American citizens? Not much. Other than if it comes up, like I think if you just randomly start talking to people about the situation in Ukraine, right, they're, they're probably not going to listen to you. But if you just, like, when, when you do hear somebody talk about it, somebody brings it up, you know, I'm worried about war with Ukraine and Russia and the United States. Just say, do you know what's going on in Ukraine? And they're probably going to tell you no. And just telling people, hey, there's a civil war in Ukraine between Ukrainians. Maybe we don't need to be getting involved in another freaking civil war. Maybe we don't. Maybe that's not a good freaking idea. I'm just saying. Like, and what are we doing in Ukraine? Well, we're not, we're not putting boots on the ground. No, we're providing expertise and intelligence and training, right? 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 And, and, and weapons. Gee, I, I have a, just a crazy fucking question about that strategy. Where else has the United States done that? And has it ever worked? Well, seem to remember my old man talking about a place called Vietnam. We did that there. Ended up in a hot shooting war. 58,000 at least American lives lost. Millions of Vietnamese lives lost. Didn't work. Bad idea. Isn't that what we did? Isn't that shit how Afghanistan started? And wasn't that the plan? We're going to arm the Afghan army and then we'll... Didn't work out well. Where did we do this strategy that it worked? You know, so he's saying policing the world. And yeah, I agree, and I can throw that criticism, but try to be fair. Can anybody show me a place? Because I, I could keep going. I can show you a lot of places that the United States took that approach. Sometimes it brought us into a shooting war. Sometimes it didn't. I guess the only nation that's actually been able to really hold its own along with U.S. support that way would be the nation of Israel, but they want to hold their own, right? We make it easier for them, sure, but there's a will to do that there. When we try to go into these places where the will to maintain what we think they should have doesn't exist, it always blows up in our face. And, and literally everything we've touched in that part of the world is a freaking dumpster fire floating down the river level disaster. Everything we ever touched in the Middle East, we screwed up. Most of the problems in the Middle East today, we had something to do with it. I'm just suggesting that maybe we should stop fucking around doing things that we have no freaking ability to do right. Somebody says South Korea. I would say South Korea, but we didn't start that way, did we? South Korea, Korea erupted into conflict. We went in, we just mopped up North Korea, pushed them right up to the Yellow River with China. The river was frozen and the Chinese had like, you know, didn't really value the lives of their soldiers very much and had billions of them to work with, so they just sent them in human waves attacks and eventually we ended up with a stalemate 
at the Korean, uh, the, the, uh, the, what is it, 30, 38th parallel or 39th parallel, whatever, wherever it is, right, where the DMZ is. And then we had, like, this agreed upon secession of hostilities, right? I don't think that that works because the U.S. provides intelligence and the U.S. provides weapons and advisors, right? I think it works because, first of all, we have a large contingent of the United States military in South Korea, right? Um, we have tacit cooperation from China in that, by the way. China doesn't want North Korea invading South Korea. China doesn't want anything changed in that. They like it the way that it is. So we're not in it alone either. Not because they're our friends, because they like having this disruptive thing right at their border that they know is no threat to them, but it's a threat to us. Keeps us at bay. They don't have to deal with a lot of shit because of it. I'll give it to you, whoever said it. It was the closest one. Germany's no. Germany's no. Germany, we fought a war. The war ended. We had it. Again, it's a, it's, it, we fought a war. The war ended under a, a, an armistice in a treaty, and then it, it stayed there. We, G Germany wasn't really in danger of being invaded. There wasn't a civil war going on. We split the country in two. That one actually worked out way better than you'd expect. But I, I don't think that that is what I'm talking about here. Going into the middle of a conflict and picking a side and saying we're just going to provide advisors, weapons, and intelligence, every time we've done that, it's completely fallen apart. Um, there's, there's, there's no, we don't have a track record of doing this well. right? We, we, we might be a stabilizing force in a place that's relatively stable to begin with, But, I mean, Iraq is a disaster. Libya is a disaster. Egypt's a disaster. Afghanistan's a disaster. And, and we've taken some form of this formula in all of those places. Where, again, I, you know, I'll tell you, the whole issue with East and West Germany and the whole Iron Curtain, that was all an agreement anyway between the Soviets and the United States. We both saw it as advantageous to have that whole mess the way that it was. And it made it easy for both sides to control their people. So that was a grand bargain. They, they literally just took the map and chopped it up and made an agreement and everybody signed on, right? There wasn't an active attempt in Germany at reunification where one side was attacking the other. That's not how that worked. We, we went in as allies, and then we agreed to divide the spoils of war. And I'm telling you, man, we need to stop messing around. Uh, no mention of pipeline fighting over. There's, if you're, somebody's saying that now, Vicky, and uh, if you're speaking of pipe, there's definitely some pipelines involved here. Uh, there's, there's so much in the whole area, right? Like Russia, you know, Part of the Crimea thing is access to the Black Sea. I remember hearing about Russia and access to the Black Sea, and and having a, a, a seaport on on the you know southeastern southwestern portion of Russia going back into possible probable causes of at least part aggravating uh, World War One. Like so, there's always been an energy issue, a transportation issue, shipping. All of that's always been in conflict in that part of the world. Does anybody have any questions? And it doesn't have to be on this stuff either. Um, but yeah, right now, like one of the things Biden's starting to do with the pipeline is to basically um, 
obstruct the ability for the Russians to sell natural gas to Germany. Which, had, had we not screwed a bunch of shit up in the first place, wouldn't even be necessary. Um, but that, that's a real great way to, to teach our, uh, to, 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 to treat our allies, isn't it? To like cut off their heating supply rate as they go into winter in Germany. It's cold there. Um, someone wants to trade me East Texas vintage. Send me an email, John. I, I, I can't figure that out right now. Uh, how do you think the Supreme Court will rule with the OSHA jab testing mandates? I think they might rule differently on both of those issues. They might rule that it's okay to require testing, but I'm going to bet they're going to shoot down the jab mandates. There's, there's nothing constitutional about mandating a vaccine, especially one that's been shown to work so poorly. And some of the lower courts that have shit on this thing already and, sh and said no um, have cited that as one of the reasons. It's not just a pure constitutional issue. You're doing something that has potential dangerous side effects, and you have not shown that it prevents infection or prevents spread. So you're already in this, like, there's some judges that that's kind of their opinion. You're like, you're already in a place that I'm not very comfortable with. But on top of it, this isn't the smallpox vaccine. That, that like, you get the smallpox vaccine, you don't get smallpox. At least, you know, it's 90-something-odd percent effective, and it works forever, and you don't need a, a, a booster six times a year or whatever. Um, Trump is Obama, and is Bush is Biden. I don't know. I'm not really paying too close attention to those clowns right now. What's the name of the crypto you mentioned on Float that was a good buy? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I um, I would say that I was either talking about Algorand or R A R R R. Right, that's Pirate Chain. Um, I like both of those, and I think they're both in good buy zones right now. But that is not financial advice. I like Algorand for what it's doing, and I like Pirate because it's a hundred percent private, and uh, they're both I think in pretty good buy zones. Algo has bucked the trend in the market and is still uh, holding its price pretty well. It's not as high as it's been on a few run-ups, but it's like it was like a dollar seventy something today. Uh, but I, I have absolutely increased my holdings in Algo over the last month. I have not increased increased my holdings in Pirate because I bought an ever-loving ass load of it when it was like eight to eleven cents. So I, I, I'm kind of good on that allocation there. Um, did you see Netflix? Don't look up. No, I did not. Uh, R.H. King says, likelihood in 2022, recession, market tumble, or political instability. Um, I don't think you can have a recession from an employment standpoint right now. I think there's so many more jobs than there are people to do them that I don't see that form of a recession where people can't find a job. We went to a restaurant during the vacation. It was like a Tuesday at like 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And when we went in and we asked the lady to see us, she said it'll be about a 15-minute wait. And I looked around the place, and there was maybe 20% of the tables were occupied. 80% of the tables were empty. They said, we just don't have servers. And it's like, okay, well, wait. Can you see us? I'll go to the bar and get my own drink. And they didn't want to do it, and finally I talked them into it. But, yeah, like the, the lady, and I, I met a lady at that place when I went to the bar to get her own drinks. I started to talk to her, and she's a civilian contractor to the Air Force. She's out of Carswell here, and uh, she said that 
she oversees people that basically just answer the phone and direct calls. $18 an hour. Got to dress nice and probably got to wear a, a masked hard mask because it's federal, right? But $18 an hour. Hi, this is Jack. Thanks for calling Coswell Air Base or Lockheed Martin or wherever the hell they're at. You know, how may I direct your call, sir? Thank you. Please hold. 18 bucks an hour. Can't get people to look at it. Can't get people to work. So I don't think we can end up in a recession due to employment. Now, can we have certain other things like supply chain implosions cause this? Yeah, and I think what you're also going to see is a real damper on new home construction because it's so stupid expensive. Remodeling is like material costs are through the roof. I do have people that are in the construction trades in different ways, some in engineering, some in actually doing them, and I constantly get from them. And I'm talking different parts of the country, different segments. Some are more into roofing, some are more into framing. Constant notices from their suppliers of increased cost of product and when the price is going up, etc. And some with lead times that are still like they're getting materials. Like right now, if they order the materials, they get the materials in August, and they're not even willing to lock the price in. They're basically, you've got to put a deposit down, and then you've got to agree to pay the price, whatever it is, based on certain other factors, like let's say the raw cost of aluminum or something at the time of delivery. So I think that is, that is really going to be the place where it's going to be hard, and it's what's going to really limit people wanting to relocate eventually is going to be real estate. Because you're going to have a surplus of empty real estate in places like California and New York. But you, you're starting to see real estate prices really driven up in Texas because the, the thing about Texas and part of what kept our real estate in check so much is there's so much development here. And there's so much land. Like even a place like DFW with 6.2 million people in the whole Dallas-Fort Worth metroplex, which don't let that number scare you. That's a big freaking place. That's two counties plus. It's really not even two. It's really four at least counties you have to put in that. Uh, when you when you look at that metro mess, as we call it. There's still so much, even within that, that's just vacant land, like huge. And if you go outside that area, there's just land everywhere. So one thing that kept housing in check was you had all these, you know, commercial builders that would just, you know, they'll buy 10 acres here or 20 acres there or 100 acres there and then start building, you know, production-level housing from starter up to kind of nice houses. They, they'd go in, you'd... You, I remember when it was a really big deal here, like there were signs every weekend because you couldn't leave the signs out through the week of model homes and all, and you'd go and there's this new development. And they'd have like, you know, a two-bedroom starter home, a three-bedroom, and a five-bedroom. And you pick it and you customize it. And they were just building and building and building and building and building. And so this had a natural impact by having an increasing constant inventory. And then these guys were building the houses. Obviously, you, when you do that, you want to build them and sell them fast. So you have a great competitive market, you don't have unions, you got tons of contractors bidding on the framing, the roofing, the concrete, etc. And you have very affordable new housing, brand new house, brand new everything. And I remember back, for instance, when I was looking for one of my first homes, looking at a house that was five bedrooms, and the yards were typical suburban, not very big yards, but you know, five bedroom house, two stories, um, three bathroom, and it was beautiful, it had... Uh, from the from the living room and the master bedroom, kind of side doors that went out to a gorgeous patio cover. I mean, this place was gorgeous, brand new, everything included, including you know like 
your refrigerator, your uh, dishwasher, uh, stove, everything move in ready. Now, this was back like 2000-ish, $110,000, right? You can't build that house in material costs for $110,000 today. You, you can't. And so there's a lot less new building going on. And even when it is going on, it's a lot more expensive. And I think that that's going to make it more and more difficult for people to relocate. This is one of the other many reasons I keep saying if you live in some of these shitholes, get out. Right? Because that's like eventually the inventory that's available and the remodels that are simple remodels that can be like you don't have to do it to move in. Like that's what I usually buy. I buy a house and I like I don't like that, I don't like that, I don't like that, I don't like that, I don't like that. And by the way, nobody else does either. Like there are people that didn't read my book called The One Percent Effect, and they're like negative five percent. They're five percent worse than everything out there, but they're not 100% worse. There's nothing you, can, you can't live with, or it's like one thing you can't live with that you need to do before you move in, and the rest of it you can make it up over time. Like those kinds of houses, like they're selling like, they're selling for prices today that you would think that they're perfect move-in ready. The ones that are move-in ready are selling for a premium that's insane, and the ones that need a lot of work It's really hard to afford the cost of doing the work. Even the flipping market's not very good here anymore, right? Because the margin that you need to make flipping worth the risk isn't as easy to come by anymore. And so it's going to get more and more expensive to get a hold of a piece of property. And right now, in spite of everything I just said, it's still relatively affordable. You know, like when someone comes to this state and their, their, their budget on housing is like $400,000, It's like, let's do an episode of House Hunters, man. Like, there's a, there's a beautiful McMansion around every corner for that price, even now. Where in a lot of places, like in the Northeast, you, you can barely get a place that's not falling in on your head for that price. But it's, it's going away, guys. Anyway, this has been a pretty good one uh, for first day back. I, I really appreciate all of you that showed up to the live stream. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about what is going to happen in the, uh, the the week this week. Uh, tomorrow, I'm going to do an episode, and I, I haven't decided if I'm actually going to keep the name yet. I'm probably going to, though. Uh, it's going to be called Baker Creek Seeds is my crack dealer. So we'll go through some stuff from Baker Creek and talk about uh, different seeds that I'll be growing this year, some new stuff. And because we have this magical uh, software now with StreamYard, I'll have all the pages pulled up where I can, for those of you that make the live stream or come watch the video, You can see all these cool things because Baker Creek is my crack dealer. The way that that idea came up was I was like, you know what, this year I'm just going to grow about 10 things that do really well for us that I don't have to do a lot for that we use, like my grandma did. And that day that I said that to my wife, she goes, and she like rolls her eyes. I'm like, what? And she hands me the catalog, and it was like Baker Creek going, the fuck you are. Like it was like shit, you know, like the, the, the cover of it alone, the photography Whoever does their photography, they need to give that dude a raise because that is one of the. So we're going to do a show on some stuff that I'm going to be growing this year. Wednesday, uh, Kat Bodanin, Bo Bodanin, I think is how you say her last name, 
from Anarchapolco is going to be here and tell us all about Anarchapolco, what it's all about, and not just my watch party guys either, like how you can get live streaming and be able to watch it wherever you are, maybe do your own stuff, or maybe get down to Acapulco if you can get away. And what's so awesome about Anarchapolco, uh, Thursday we'll have an expert council Q&A, And Friday, we're going to be doing Outback with Jack. And based on what the weather guesser says right now, it will probably actually be Outback with Jack instead of in the office with Jack. Friday, I'm going to talk a lot about crypto. Even for an Outback with Jack, a lot it's going to be mostly a crypto show. There's a lot of stuff that we need to talk about that's going on. And I'll give you one little teaser on it right now as we wrap up. Um, when we have these big downturns in Bitcoin, and everybody starts buying the dip heavily, one aggravating circumstance that always makes them go a little bit lower than you would expect is our favorite you know, brokerage for buying uh, crypto always falls on its ass. I'm speaking, of course, of Coinbase. And a lot of institutional investors are using Coinbase. So it affects them, too. But even just the retail sector, when you have, like, Bitcoins at $42,000, everybody's like, shit, I'll buy $500, and they can't do it, especially people that are retail only. They want to buy for fiat. They're not, they're not taking some, some, some gain that they have from something else and doing it on, like, a Binance or something. Uh, they want to buy with a credit card, or they want to buy with a bank transfer, or they want to buy with PayPal or whatever. They can't buy. And it exasperates the downturns. And that's something I don't think many people have talked about. That absolutely happened on one of the last big big dips. Um, there were people, plenty of people emailed me, man, I can't, I can't buy any. I can't get, it's not working, Coinbase isn't working. So we're going to talk about that and a lot of other things coming with crypto, including some of the regulatory concerns that I have with, that really affects alts more than Bitcoin. And um, why I think Bitcoin is going to have a really great year next year. Really great year. We're going to talk a little bit about stock to flow, uh, Plan B's stock to flow model, and some other things. So that'll be Friday. So we got Baker Creek Seeds tomorrow, Anarchapoco Wednesday, Expert Council Thursday, Crypto on Friday with an Outback series. I'm sure we'll put some other things other than crypto in it. Are you not entertained? It's been great being back with you. The audio version of this podcast will be out in about an hour from now. All the resources and links will be there. If I miss a link that I promised you, comment on the podcast, on the blog, and I'll get it back filled for you. Um, what is my take on Grayscale Bitcoin Trust as an option from an R, for an IRA? I wouldn't do it. I don't think it performs well enough to justify it. Uh, there are ways to do pure Bitcoin in an IRA. Um, I, I just don't think the Gray, Grayscale Trust performs well enough relative to the asset that it's holding personally. All right, with that, guys, uh, appreciate you guys. Have a great day. I will see you tomorrow. We'll talk about seeds. All right, with that, we have wrapped up another episode of the Survival Podcast. First episode of 2022 is in the can done. I do want to announce something here at the end that I've decided to do. It, it may change, but it probably won't. I'm discontinuing doing songs of the day at the end of the show. Um, I feel like we did that for so long and played so much music, and, and, and John Adam is still willing to do that, but we're getting to a point where he's digging music out that I don't really want to play. And that's just because we've played so much over the years, and musical tastes vary. And it's also just another thing to do. So I'm, you know, we, we went our first, what, like, 
nine years of the show without it, so clearly we don't need it. And I'm just gonna I'm gonna discontinue that activity, and we'll be ending with the revolution is here. You from here on out, I might not play the whole thing every time. I don't know. We'll we'll see where that goes. But I'm gonna I'm gonna stop doing that. I know some people probably would wish I didn't, but I'm gonna. Um, but we are not going to stop doing the item of the day and reminding you guys you can support the show by doing your online shopping at tspaz.com. If you go to tspaz.com, whenever you shop online, no matter what you buy, as long as you start there, you'll help us out. And you'll see all the stuff that I recommend. And sometimes if you're on the mail list or whatever, you'll get announcements about really good sales. There's one of those going on today. I know I'm a broken record on this, but Anchor is my favorite electronics value brand because I've sold tens of thousands of items with the Anchor brand on it, and none of them, zero, have come back and bitten me in the ass. I have heard from some of y'all that said I bought something from Anchor and it was broke or didn't work or whatever, but all I ever hear after that is, and they took care of it. If you sell that much merchandise, you're going to have something get damaged in the mail, or you're going to get a DOA or something. I have never heard anything but good things about Anchor. I have a ton of shit, like an Anchor E-Tech City and Anchor, I'm like a freaking catalog for them in my house. I'm sitting here looking at Anchor earbuds I bought last month and an E-Tech City thermal gun. What am I talking about with Anchor today? I own this product as well. I own most things that are on T-Spaz. It is the waterproof Bluetooth speakers, specifically the Soundcore 2. These are the smaller ones. They're only about 12 watts. They're IPX7 waterproof. That means basically you can throw them in a fish tank, pull them back out, and they keep working. That's pretty badass. Um, certainly, if you get some rain on them or something, nothing bad is going to happen to them. They're rechargeable, Bluetooth, and they pair if you get two of them. So they're normally $40 a piece, so a pair of them is $80. They're on sale today for $29.99, call $30. So a pair of them is only $60. I have these in my back shop. That's my entire sound system back there to listen to podcasts and music when I'm working back there because I don't have the AV setup that I have in my front shop where we do the workshops and all. So um, I've had these a long time. I love them. I, almost everybody in my family owns like one or a pair of them. My son has a pair of them. He loves them. Um, I watch movies like with surround sound on my laptop with them set up behind me. They're great. They sound great. They work great, and they're on sale, and you know you can trust the Anchor brand. So check them out, and remember, you can help us out no matter what you buy as long as you start your shopping at tspaz.com. With that, has been Jack Spirico with another episode of the Survival Podcast and the first episode of 2022. I'm glad to be back. I've got good stuff coming for you this week. You pull yourself up. They keep bringing you down. Are they gonna bail you out or just run you around? They said you should have a house the American way. A dollar down, a dollar a month, and you never have to pay. There's a better way to do this. Let me show you a better way You don't have to be another face in the crowd You don't have to live the way they tell you to Make your own way Others will follow Revolution 
there's nothing I can do It's the price we pay, I guess, and we follow all the rules There's a better way to do this Let me show you a better way Revolution is you.